0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Welcome to On the Bench. I'm your host for this episode, Brendan Sinone. Joined by a full bench, I got Chris Knee back from vacation. Chris, welcome back. You look wonderful.
0: Hola, thank you. I feel canned.
1: You, do, you look and you look. You have that nice beard going on too, which is you know, daddy issues and all. Like I like it. Uh, Zach Blostein, welcome. How are you feeling? Are you you over your little sniffles?
2: Um, I think I'm actually like getting close to over it.
1: You sound awful. And then we got Dane Draper who was going to fill in for Zach because he almost overslept past this. We just said, Dane, welcome. You're just going to be here with us today. We want your expertise as we talk about recruits and evaluations. So Dane, thank you for being flexible and welcome.
3: Of course. Thank you, Brendan. Appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Awesome. I'm happy to see all my boys here. Uh, This is typically like mid July is the dog days of summer, but really like I feel like this is the last week of dog days of summer. There's not really a whole lot of slow portions anymore covering college football. Uh, and and we had a bunch of commits this week for Florida State to get into uh, this mid-July uh, portion of, of the calendar. And then like next week, Chris and I are going to Charlotte for the ACC kickoff. And then the week after that, fall campus is, is going to be right around the corner. So like it's here, fellas. Like it, it, we're almost at football season. It's kind of crazy to think about, right?
3: It is. Uh, Right. (laughs) Everyone's just nodding. I want
1: to be kind of pensive and think. I said no yes or no questions. I guess the right was also uh, my fault too for you guys expecting an answer on the audio and video media.
0: You're less than 50 days out from being in Orlando. I think, what, yesterday? would have been 50 days? Yeah, yeah. Or 49?
1: We're here. Yeah, it's 49 for James Rosenberry. Shout out James Rosenberry, our, our new best friend. All right. Uh before we get going on this episode, which is gonna be a lot of uh a lot of talk about the recent uh surge of commitments for Florida State, kind of looking what the board looks like now uh remaining for FSU as it kind of is just going big game hunting, and then we'll play some buyer snow. before that. A shout out to our two great sponsors. First off, Chattanooga Whiskey. Love Chattanooga Whiskey. Uh my co-hosts here all have become giant fans of it as well, and not just because they're our sponsor, but because it is a legitimately high-end caliber of bourbon, of whiskey, of rye. All the good brown liquor you could want. Chattanooga Whiskey is doing it, and they're doing it at an extremely high level. You can find it all throughout the state of Florida at local shops, uh, big shops, Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama, pretty much anywhere in the southeast. They're in like 13 to 15 states right now. They're winning awards. Please give them a try. Their 111 is one of my personal favorites for like value bang for the buck, cast strength bourbon, Uh, but their rye is also phenomenal too if you're trying to get into the rye game. They do a ton of stuff well. And then also uh buyer synonym, which we'll play later, is sponsored by
2: the Turner Group. The Turner Group. The Turner
1: Group. Let's go. We'll there do a little shout-out to them uh further on in this podcast. But let's get going, fellas. FSU's class at the start of July, ranked 26 nationally. There was a lot of hand-wringing, as Christney likes to, to say, a lot of uh doomsday and and worst case scenario. Uh Thinkers out there, and now sitting here on July 17th, FSU ranks 11th nationally with some really big commits still, or excuse me, potential commits still on the board, some big targets still existing that are going to be making commitments fairly soon. Uh, FSU has a chance to finish with a top 10 prep class and, and then be well within there too, depending on what happens. Uh, before we get into what's coming up, let's talk about what's happened the past few days, and we'll work backwards. First off, Mackay Danzi, local athlete, uh, mostly going to be a running back for Florida State, committed to the Seminoles on Saturday. Zach, I'm going to throw this to you as we talk a little bit about his recruitment, mm-hmm. uh, and then we'll get the highlights up here and, and discuss what he means for this class.
2: Yeah, I mean, he was just, if you date back his recruitment to the spring, and even before that, Florida State was the consistent school that got him on campus you know, more times than anyone which is bound to happen um, because he lives in Tallahassee, but it is a positive thing because Florida State, in probably the last five to ten years, just hasn't done a good job at all at keeping elite talent in the in the Tallahassee area home. Mackay Danzi is that he's he has elite speed, um, like very elite speed. Um, he he could be a, a guy that. That competes in you know Olympic level track stuff in the future because he is that good, um, especially in the 400 meter dash. He just broke 46 seconds, so he's at 45 um, and whatever now uh, after you know a summer track meet, and he's going to compete in the Junior Olympics um, next week. So yeah, I mean legit long speed, a guy that you know we like on film. We've talked about him at length on the YouTube channel before. Um, but he kind of complements what FSU does well uh, within their offensive scheme, especially considering they have a more traditional running back committed already in their twenty twenty four class in Cam Davis. And I think um, that duo is going to work well in Tallahassee. They've already kind of formed um, a bond. Uh, they've been, you know, reaching out to each other on Twitter and stuff and, and talking about how they're going to, you know, I think Makai said you, know, you can't catch me and you can't tackle him. so. Um, I think that'll be a good duo in, at FSU in the future. Yeah, speed is the name
0: of the game with young man. He's a guy that you're gonna get him kind of vertical as quick as possible because you get him into that track mode of going north south instead of you know showing wiggle, but he does have wiggle, he is a capable back in that sense, also a capable receiver. I'm interested to see if he's used on special teams. I think when you have that kind of speed, that's an area obviously where you probably want to try to get the guy associated because of the ability to just go vertically quickly. Um Compliments that room very well. Cam Davis obviously already come in, in running back room. FSU's always viewed Danzy more as an offensive athlete and a true running back. Kind of in the same mold as Lawrence Toe Philly. And I actually spoke to Cam Davis last night and he was excited to have Danzy joining him. Said he didn't know for sure until the announcement, but suspected it was coming. Uh, da- Davis spent that Saturday of Danzy's official visit on campus with some of the other commitments and recruits. So he was around that weekend when Dancy decided to kind of pull the trigger because we believe that did originally happen on the Sunday Exiting is yeah. official. He program.
2: told me he he told me in, in the interview that Dane and I did that um that he did commit in Mike Norvell's office and they played the war chant and stuff. So that kind of, you know, falls in line with what we were hearing um outside the Moore Center that day with all the war chant it's blaring um over and over again for those three commits. Um but yeah, another thing I'll note is he, you know, he's not just a guy that that excels at track. Like he's a highly productive football player. He ran for eighteen hundred yards last year on the ground and averaged almost ten yards a carry. So this is a guy that that you know is a local kid, which is a plus because FSU just, like I said, hasn't done a great job at keeping local kids home. And um, he's a guy that's really going to help them offensively. And, and we know Mike Norvell is going to. Um, utilize all of his talents correctly because that's just what he does.
1: Dane, what stands out to you? We have the highlights on right now, the pros, the
3: strengths of his game, obviously speed, but but what else along with that? Um, I mean, I think we talk about him as a running back and kind of the flexibility that he can have or the versatility that he can have as a receiver out of the backfield or in the slot or whatever it is. And that's really because of, I mean, one, that speed um, but to like the length that he has, which is abnormal for a running back, you can really see that he has a high ceiling as a receiver. I, I think um, also like to me, at least in running backs, I feel like it, being explosive, like having burst is probably more important than long speed. And he is kind of like the opposite in a way, like he has elite long speed, but he's kind of takes him a minute to get there. Um, and that kind of reflects in his track times too. Like his 200 meter and 400 meter are more impressive than his 100 meter, that sort of thing. But, um,
1: but his 100 meter is like, uh, because Zach and I had this conversation the other day, Dane. Like his 100 meter is 10.6, like it's still really high end, like it's just not as big as the 200, but 10.6 for high school football players is probably the 90th, 95th percentile.
2: And he doesn't really, yeah, I mean, if you look at his track results, he doesn't really run, run the 100. Um, and that's because his 200 times and 400 times are just that elite. So he's qualifying for these big meets at, with those times instead of his 100. But like you said, 10-6 is like an extremely respectable time for a high school oh, yeah. football player. Yeah.
0: yeah. One other thing I'll add beyond the scouting portion, FSU's recruiting of him was very well done. Um, yeah. they, they invested a ton of time with him, got him on campus a ton, got him on campus alongside his mother, who I think was kind of in lockstep with him throughout his recruitment. Quite often, there was also some independent visits of his father, I believe, and other people in his circle that came in without him. And FSU showed him around right before the commitment happened, before the weekend of the official visit. I'm sure that played a role in putting everybody at ease and comfortable with the idea of coming to FSU. And you know, Danzy himself did a very good job in the sense of he showed up for the elite camp. And Brendan wrote about this yesterday, on Sunday, that uh, he showed up for the elite camp right after participating in track meet with an attract meet on the horizon. And they essentially just wanted to come in for a visit. And he's like, no, I'll work out. And I think that made a strong impression on the staff. And, you know, it's a mutually beneficial commitment. Obviously, it also helps FSU track a great deal because he is a kid that's explosive on that surface and very, very talented. And truthfully, that may be the brightest part of his entire future is his trackability.
1: We had that little tidbit on Danzy on the message board on Sunday morning. If you're interested in getting the latest news and information and scoop and Intel and just conversation about FSU, like, yeah, we have a lot of fun on this podcast and you are gonna get a majority of the information we share at Knowles 24 seven. But uh, if, if you want to get it right away and you want to really dive into it and get uh, the most of everything we have to offer, it is at Knowles247.com. We are currently running a promo. Zach, uh, what is it? 75% off annual
2: membership? It is our best deal of the year. Yes. 75% off um, for an annual membership. I think it comes out to just over $2 a month. So definitely take advantage of that right now. Um, the next few weeks should be pretty fun. And then we got the season right around the corner.
1: Alberto Cruz asks if yes. uh, my guy Danzi is running track at FSU. Those are head nods from ev- all three yeah. of my cohorts. Again, uh, audio medium fellows. Yes. I said yes. Did you? Byron Sonone in the comment section did Zach say yes? He will run track at Florida State. Uh, Mackay Danzi is ranked 152nd nationally by 24/7 Sports in the composite. He is 191st nationally. Uh, we have him as an athlete. Um, I know Andrew Ivans has said he could possibly be an intriguing safety prospect with the length that he has at six one and the speed. Uh, but, but our full belief is at least initially, Florida State looks at him as an offensive. Weapon and uh, I think a Lawrence Towafili mold. Am I boring you, Zach, with the yawn?
2: Yes. Um, did you hear that? Yes.
1: Yes, very clearly.
2: They can. Um, they uh, they've compared him to Lawrence Towafili multiple times. Um, and I actually asked him in the interview prior to his commitment, just you know what what he likes about what Lawrence Towafili does, and he mentioned the versatility, catching the ball out of the backfield, that kind of stuff. And and he's actually um, learned a lot from watching Towafili's tape
1: uh let's see we're gonna move on to the next commitment if we're all good dan did you have anything else to add sorry i, I kind of de- i was
3: I, I was gonna say he fits that more to philly because of the way he's built though and like like that that long speed he has but um but i think to philly probably has more natural catching ability than than uh danzy i feel like that's something he's gonna have to develop just based yeah, on we saw
1: some of that at the elite camp right right but, yeah um, anyway yeah Okay. All right. Well, yeah, I think I think the there's a comp to Toa Philly. I think he has more long speed than, than LT, but some more natural football skills for Toa Philly coming in, uh, certainly. But that that is the comp and that is the value of someone like a Cam Davis already in the class. It's a really nice, like thunder, lightning type of type of duo, throwback to when that used to be a thing in the NFL, like in the nineties and two thousands when you had two very different types of running backs. Um, let's go a day forward now, going backwards in time, Tarantino in it. Uh, let's talk Ty Hilton. He committed on Friday to Florida State. He's a three-star offensive tackle from Oviedo in Central Florida. He has an 85 grade by 24-7 sports, and 86.5 composite grade, uh, so a little bit higher in other networks than ours. I personally like him more than another offensive line commit who we'll get to in a little bit who just committed uh, this week. I really like Hilton's upside and his his makeup, and I think he's going to have a high floor in addition to having a fairly high ceiling. Uh, But let's let's talk a little bit about this recruitment. Chris, this is a guy who ended up taking official visits to multiple schools in state and ultimately picks the Seminoles.
0: Yeah. Penn State, Florida, Miami were some of the other schools involved in there. UCF was also involved, but he did not take an official visit there. Six four two seventy is what he's listed at for the network. I think he actually weighs a bit more than that, if I recall correctly, from his official visit. The biggest thing with him is arm length, very big wingspan, very long kid. The biggest question mark with him is just kind of the width of body, width of shoulders. How big can he get ultimately? And therefore, where does he most likely ultimately line up at? He's a kid that I think has the versatility to play probably four positions along the offensive line. I don't know that he's going to grow into being a left tackle. Very few do. Probably could get away with playing there, but probably not the spot you want him at. Can he play right tackle? Yeah, I think he can with the arm length. He's big enough. I think he can get away with that. Think his best ball might be on the interior and he is a guy who's capable of snapping so i'm interested to see if he's somebody they bring in try to develop as a center for life after marie smith and whatever else comes after him uh, kind of a jason zanamella replacement but i don't want to paint him entirely as a jason zanamella replacement but talented kid visited fsu multiple times got offered in january during a junior day visit came back for a couple other visits before the official visit in late june the biggest thing that I heard consistently in his recruitment was that his mother was very much wowed by FSU and that essentially every time they came, the picture that was painted was consistently the same and the messaging was the same. Obviously, more information, more things told, more things learned, but that there was just a great deal of consistency from that January like 20th visit to that June 20-something visit. So over those five months of visits and four visits in that time, I think Ty Hilton and those around him helping him make decisions specifically his mother, he's very close with, that they just felt extremely comfortable with what FSU was talking about. I understand completely why Brendan likes him because the measurements are there and the build is there. Again, I go back to the biggest question is just how big does he ultimately get? I think part of the reason he's currently ranked as he is, I think he's ranked a little bit below where he probably should be. I think he probably should be a very high three-star kind of kid, so an 88, 89 type instead of a mid-85 type, um, is how does that frame ultimately kind of become filled out and what does it look like and what
1: is it capable of being? One one thing that gives me optimism, Chris, and like offensive line is the hardest position to project in football. And that's not just like at, at high school to college. It's also college to the NFL. You see whiffs all the time in the first round of the draft when when you're taking an offensive lineman because you just don't know like how how someone's going to develop physically still when you already have like that there's so much variance, I guess, when you're like six, seven of like how much weight you can put on, what that's gonna look like with that weight. And Hilton is a little bit like more on the thin side right now. Uh what I've gathered is that every time he's shown up on campus, he's been a little bit bigger each time. And that's helping in their projections of like what he, he will become. The fact that he's he's starting to hit his stride now in a physical development perspective gives you optimism that like the best football is still ahead of him. And so yeah. Like, yeah Offensive line recruiting is a crapshoot. You're banking on the kid works hard, right, that he continues to develop physically, which he is. They really like his personality a lot. They like his demeanor on the football field. They like his understanding and football IQ. Uh, so those are things that maybe are harder to, like, quantify that that are not on film necessarily uh, that we can't see. But those are all things that that FSU is likes and is, is banking on with him. So, like, I like this take a lot. Uh, There's a reason why he was recruited by Miami, by Florida, by Penn State. Don't let other fan bases tell you they don't know who he was. He was on campus, official visiting, um, and I think would have been a take at all those schools. So it's a big win for Florida State, and hopefully his rankings will get updated to reflect probably closer to that high three-star range, maybe even low four-star range. I think that's probably where he's at. Uh, Zach or Dane, do you guys have anything to
3: add? Yeah, I think um, you mentioned how – of, he compares in a way to the other offensive line commit guy recently, um, which we're about to talk about. I'm sure Jonathan Daniels. But um, I think the biggest thing that separates them is probably the way they play on the field, uh, the demeanor that that Hilton has. Like he plays so mean, and I've talked to a lot of offensive line co- or talked to a lot of college coaches at this point and asked them about offensive linemen, and it's such a con like a, a consistent talking point. And evaluating guys out of high school is like one of the things that stand out most is is their i guess how aggressive they are on the field how mean they are and that 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 finish that you look for and that's something that hilton has uh, i like that a lot
1: nice anything zach on your end or do you want to move on to the next commitment
3: real
0: quick since zach wants to move on real quick two things one talking to josh Storms in june Definitely think body type wise, because he always wants to get bigger on the other line, but I think they prefer building a guy up than having to kind of bring him down. And I think Hilton's obviously a guy you can build up because the frame is a good frame. And the other thing you were kind of talking, Brendan essentially describing him as having a high floor. And I do agree with that. I think he's a kid that's going to contribute something to you regardless of how good he ultimately turns out to be because he is hard, hard nosed kid, smart kid, hard worker. he has got a lot of those kind of things that the coaching staff looks for in the offensive line, smart kid, numero uno and then strength being there and that's something i think you can improve upon so i think they liked him as a take it's funny going into june i wasn't entirely convinced he was a take zach was um and as i had conversations with people before his official visit it was pretty clear he definitely was and as that board kind of changed with a couple guys going to usc yeah it became a no-brainer
1: are you okay dane what's happening Andy's muted all right
0: i'm also (laughs)
3: muted i'm doing well
1: you look, you look like you're having a moment there. Um, all right, let's move on to the other offensive line commit. It happened on Thursday. We were honestly preparing for this to be totally transparent, like potentially on July 4th. It ends up happening on July 13th. Hey, we're here to react and to be prepared no matter what. That's why you guys who are subscribers pay us is to be prepared for when that moment happens. Uh, and that was the offensive tackle Jonathan Daniels. He has a whopping 94.96 grade in the 24/7 Sports composite. I believe on three is extremely high on him Uh, at 24 seven sports. We have an 89 grade on him uh, and that, and there's a pretty big discrepancy discrepancy, excuse me, between the, uh, the two rankings there. I, I personally am a little closer to where we are as a network with him. I think I had like a 90, 91 grade, but like, Holy crap, the actual, the upside there, if you want to bank on like hitting a home run and, and just taking a big swing at it of what someone can become like he's listed at 6'3", 280, I think he's closer to 6'4". Um, but the, the wingspan, some of the athletic testing is pretty close to freaky, if not in the freaky category. And that's what you're ultimately banking on if you're Florida State, getting this commitment from Pensacola. Uh, who would like to do the honors of talking about Jonathan Daniels' recruitment? I'll do it. Thanks, Zach.
2: Yeah, so i Daniels is a guy that Florida State kind of started to prioritize around this time last summer. Um He attended that end of July camp in 2022 and FSU kind of sunk their teeth in then and continued to recruit him heavily. And then, you know, he got him on campus multiple times this spring and then for his official visit in the month of June for that final weekend. He also officially visited Georgia and Kentucky. Um, LSU is another school that was supposed to get him on an OV, but that didn't happen. Um, but yeah, the main comp was Georgia and Kentucky in this recruitment, and uh, you know Alex Atkins just did a great job with with John Daniels and his family. You know, I talked to John's dad um, prior to his commitment. There's an article um, within the commitment article uh, where where he talks about the recruitment, and just he has a lot of confidence in Alex Atkins and Mike Norvell. Um, you know, he says he he uh, you know speaks the world of, of Norvell and just thinks that he's going to be at Florida state for a long time. And then he he fully trusts Alex Atkins to take care of John Daniels and develop in, you know, both on and off the field. Um, so, yeah, I mean, FSU knocked it out of the park with this recruitment and they keep a guy that's you know somewhat local um, a couple hours away over there at Pensacola Pine Forest high school. Um, Chris and I were there, uh, you know, in the month of May and, you know, spent some time around John and, and his high school coaches and, um, that was a pretty good time, and, and we got to see him play in the spring game. Um, Want to hear you guys' thoughts? Because I know, I like. I, I'm honestly wondering, like, is this the biggest rankings discrepancy you've seen in a prospect? Because I mean, he, uh, there's another outlet that ranks him at, w- did rank him as a five star prospect, which is why I think you see such a discrepancy uh, in the top two four seven versus the twenty four seven sports composite. But is this the the biggest discrepancy you two have seen, Brendan and Chris? I don't
0: it may be. um, I mean, I feel like there were some in the early days of this business that were drastic like that. But I feel like the business have kind of gotten better at being pretty consistent, thinking similar, at least, you know, in the sense of like composite, reflecting where everybody is neighborhood wise. And this one's a pretty big one. I I think the thing with him is that you can fall in love with his athletic traits, arm length. The feet are pretty light. He moves really well. He can get downfield. He can block to all parts of the field, which is really, really nice. He's a guy that can definitely play left tackle because of that arm length capability is there. So that adds value to him as a prospect. I think the question mark there is just a physicality. It's got to be more consistent. It's got to be there consistently, top to bottom, beginning to end of games. You'll see it some on highlights, but going to watch him in May and having watched him also at Under Armour where he did not perform very well, and I think he would tell you the same that he didn't perform very well there. It's just a matter of like, you're in a sport where you're in the trenches and it's a blood sport and you gotta be physical. And when you're that long armed and you got feet where you can move, if you can latch on to somebody, you should be able to finish them more consistently than he does. There's too many instances where I feel like he's reaching or leaning and just off balance. And those are traits that's gonna have to be worked out of them. And that's not unusual for an offensive lineman. I, I always thought it was I'm not trying to take a shot at on three points. I always thought it was absurd he was a five-star. Having watched him in person, kind of knowing a bit about his traits, I just don't think he's a surefire guy. And that's what a five star has to be. Do I he's think no he's longer like, a five star, to right. clarify. I, he's already I, I think off. they dropped him to around 50 ish. I still don't think that's high. I think he's more of a 100 to 200 window kind of guy, personally. I think he is capable of being extremely good, but there's a lot of work that has to be done. It's just, it's not Paris Johnson's a cat that you watch who has incredible athletic traits, but he's also bigger. And he was just also better. And like with John than Daniels, I love the athletic traits. I understand why there's a reason to fall in love with that and what he's capable of being. But he has to become a better football player too. And that that's not a knock on the kid. That's normal for offensive linemen, especially coming out of high school ranks. Some are really good at one thing, not the other, pass blocking versus run blocking, so on and so forth. John Daniels is just a dude who I understand why some value him so much. I think we undervalue him as a network personally. I think the reality is much more in the middle of those two numbers.
1: I think I had a 90 to 91 grade on him. And I'd
0: I'd be higher than that person. I think the ceiling for him is insanely high. Yeah. I'm uncomfortable that he can get to that ceiling.
1: Yeah. But that's what you're banking on. Is like there's a there's a huge gamble on this one. But like if you hit on it, like you're talking about someone who who would have some day one NFL draft measurables, right? Like I think that's the that's the upside. And I'm going to throw some of those measurables out, and Dan, you might be able to provide some perspective on these. I'm just going to throw out some numbers. So, wingspan, 84.4 inches; arm length, 36.5, yeah, 36.5 inches; hand, 11.25 inches; and 40-yard dash time is between a 5.08 to 5.14. So, for an offense alignment of his, his size, Dan, I guess what, what does that mean?
3: Um. I mean, I don't have, like, the exact statistics brought up, but 36-and-a-half-inch arms would definitely be, like – like, if if you're watching the NFL Combine and all the offensive linemen get measured and everything, and there's one guy that you've never heard of with 36-and-a-half-inch arms, they're going to talk about that guy a lot because that's, like, the highest – that's the highest measurement they've seen into the Combine in years. That sort of thing. And he also has huge hands. I don't know if you mentioned that. Mm-hmm. It's, like, 11-and-three-quarter-inch hands or something like that. That's, at, like, just as absurd – um, pretty much, uh, his wingspan though, like you said 84 and a half it
1: is him pulling it back up 84.4. So,
3: okay. So well, 84, that's, that's a seven foot wingspan. And so, um, yeah, I mean, you hear about maybe him not being very tall and that's, I think to like, like people might perceive that as length, but that has kind of nothing to do with length. If you can adequately compensate with arms, with long arms, and he has like elite length. So um yeah, that mixed with being pretty athletic and having good feet is is why that ranking is so high for some people. So a guy
0: I always think of when the wingspan conversation comes up is Isaiah Wynn. He was a state of Florida kid, played in the NFL. He was 6'2", three-quarters when he went to the NFL. His wingspan was just shy of 79. And that's what allowed him to play the way he played. Was He was a little bit short. He was only 3'10", 3'15". 3'13 is what I think he measured in at the draft combine. Um, but that wingspan is what allowed him to play the way he played. He also had light feet, but he was a mean son of a gun. Like, he was a guy that he did a great job of using those arms, getting on you, driving with his feet, finishing him, And that's why it was good. John Daniels has those arms. He has the ability to move with the feet. He's got to add that third component to be the guy he can be.
1: I'm pretty sure, Chris, you'll you you might you'll remember this better than, than I do, I think, but um, Wynn's high school team was St. Pete.
0: Lakewood, which was Loneen. They weren't very good, but they were loaded.
1: Dante Fowler on that team?
0: Yeah, I think Rodney Adams was too. Maybe Marquez Valdez-Scantling, if I recall correctly. The, the uh, uh, Griffin they had, brothers? They had a bunch. Uh, yeah, I think they were. I think they yeah. were. Tons they, of talent. I mean, I they I went and saw them play, maybe plant somebody of that sort back then, and it was kind of mind-blowing how much talent was on one side. Just wasn't didn't operate well.
1: Did not but, make yeah. the playoffs from what I remember. Pretty pretty wild time. Um, yeah, I think that's everything on on John Daniels. Uh, to Dane's point about length, real quick, Alex Atkins values that trait as much as anything. He's talked about this at clinics; like, it, it is a baseline necessity to have a plus wingspan. Like, he values that extremely, which is why you often see them take quote unquote undersized guys with like longer, you know, bigger frames. That was to Chris's point earlier about Josh Storm saying like that you can build up a player as well but part of that is like you have this this long frame with these crazy arms I'm throwing them here in front of the camera for everyone to see like crazy long arms that, that's something that you value it's part of their scheme what they want to do which is just getting in the way like that's the most important thing that's the first and foremost trait is to get in the way and then you figure out the rest so those are three commitments in three days for Florida State that wraps up a first part of July in which was really like the the fruits of labor from June and, official visits and and really the whole like January to June uh, sprint of recruitments where you end up getting seven pledges, I believe the number is. And I think five of those guys are composite four stars. So uh, a really good stretch for Florida State. I don't know if we've talked about them actually committing on this. It's been so long since we've all been together. But like Elijah Moore, wide receiver from Maryland, committed to Florida State on July 4th. DD Holmes, four star defensive end, fills a huge need. Uh, he's, he's a four-star composite guy, Ricky Knight, four-star composite DB from down at Cardinal Newman. Uh, and then, uh, red Morgan, Radarius Morgan, uh, a three-star safety from Alabama who we like as well. So just a really good stretch for Florida state. Again, it propels them from 26 nationally to 11th right now. And Zach and I have talked a little bit about this. I think some of these guys are like ascending still as prospects, um, like, who would you say still has, like, the chance to to go up a little bit in the rankings,
2: Zach? I think the name that immediately comes to mind is Elijah Moore. Um, and I want Dane to chime in on this. But, but yeah, I think uh, he's a guy that, that our rankings team is talking a lot about, you know, about whether they should move him up. Um, if you look at his high school stats, not insanely productive. I think he had, like, 300 receiving yards last year with five touchdowns. But he's a guy that's absolutely dominated – on the camp circuit, um, especially at a recent 7-on-7 seven seven tournament out in uh, California, the OT7 Overtimes 7-on-7 uh, seven seven thing, which is pretty much the biggest event of the summer uh, when it comes to 7-on tournaments. And, yeah, he, sh- he was probably, you know, the, the most productive receiver there, um, a guy that, you know, really stood out. Um, and when you turn on the film, I mean, there's a lot to love. Dan, what do you like about his game? I
3: like a lot about his game. Um, I think he does say a lot of things really, really well. And he has a really high ceiling. As a guy with a big frame, that moves really well for that frame, for having that frame. Um, I, I mean, that's that's probably my favorite clip of him right here. I guess audio listeners, that's not great. but um, Paint the picture, Dane.
1: I'll
3: rewind it. Uh, okay, so he's six foot, four and a half inches tall. Uh, he's about 200 pounds and he's facing a guy, press man. He has good feet off the line, good release kind of makes the guy look a little silly. And then a really nice, like a subtle stutter step kind of 10 yards into his route there. I think that kind of subtlety kind of, uh, lends itself to kind of how fluid he is as an athlete, which is, looks really good, but also kind of, uh, how good he could be as a route runner too. And he shows that off here as well. It's a really good route. Um, but he's just a guy with crazy body control. He plays really physical. He's a crazy wingspan. Again, a guy who put him in a combine setting. He's going to look really good, uh, based on those measurements. I I don't really know what he doesn't do well outside of not run really fast deep down the field, I guess, but I don't think that matters a ton because he can create separation pretty well due to being a strong route runner, having quick feet, uh, really quick feet for his size. And, um, and also the fact that he doesn't even need to be a, a great separation guy in the first place, probably because he's so good as kind of a jump ball guy. Um, based on that body control, his physicality, size of his his arm, the length of his arms, size of his hands, all kinds of stuff. Did we get a little I, penguin
0: I like dance on the touchdown there?
1: I'm yeah, the sure penguin dance there dance was dance. pretty good. That's what Chris and I were laughing at, Dane. Not yeah. you. Um, you
0: know, Jalen Waddle thing. To add to, yeah, the Waddle. To add to Elijah, I think the question from 24-7 from a ranking perspective is just top-end speed, uh, his overall speed. I, I When talking to those folks as they're having those discussions, speed is the thing that comes up as a question mark. Uh, his hand size shocked me when I met him. I mean, I, the picture of him holding the crystal ball trophy stood out to me and then paying attention to it during the departure interview on Sunday. He's got big old mitts. Um, He's a phone boot kid that can win in a phone boot, a lot like Johnny Wilson, a little bit measurements, a little bit different, but I think similar type of skill set in the sense of how FSU will intend to use them and what they can do with them. He's a kid that can get off the ground and win it in the year. He does create separation in small windows. He understands how to run routes that are effective for what he can do and what he's capable of being. I think he's got a really good mentality in the sense of understanding what he possesses skill-wise, and how to use it to the best of his advantage. He also, from what I understand, has very good work ethic in the sense of working on his craft. So I feel pretty comfortable about him. He's a kid that definitely is underranked by us. I don't know if we're the lowest service on him, but we do have some catch-up to play there. I think John Daniels is going to trend up too, not drastically. Um, I don't know when the Cold War of his ranking will end, but I do think he's a kid that ends up ultimately being a four-star for us as a network.
1: So they have some like upwardly mobile guys who they've gotten commitments from recently. And, you know, some of that's kind of even out too. like there could be guys who they've had commitments from for a while. who didn't do a lot of camp stuff. They could drop a little bit. So I don't anticipate like a huge like discrepancy, but I think there there are two or three prospects who've committed who could get like a, a rankings bump of, of multiple points from us as a network, which would then change the composite.
0: Should Red Morgan be bumped? I don't think he technically needs to be bumped by 24 seven. I'm yeah. comfortable with his rank, but
3: I do you love see it he at 24 7s? 88, 89. Uh, let
1: me pull He's up real quick. He's, He's an, an 88.
3: 88 yeah, said, like, which I think
1: like, is fitting. That's about right. But it's a very high upside or high floor, uh, excuse me, 88. Like I think. Right. He, but I'm more always bringing it.
0: that up for the ranking discussion of like, they got to have the blue chip ratio. And it's important. I'm not trying to dismiss it. I think people are like, I hate the blue chip ratio. I don't. I love blue chips. They help you win championships. But like, Red Morgan's a hell of a good football player. So I'm I'm really comfortable with a guy who's ranked like that, if he's that good and talented and definitely fits what they want to do at that position.
1: So Chris mentions blue chip ratio, and that would be a good place for us to move off the recent commitments, kind of talk about the class holistically. I did the calculations, did my little nerdy calculations yesterday. I probably messed them up, but I think FSU was like at a 72% blue chip ratio, which would be six nationally amongst like teams in the top 20 right now for recruiting, I think up to top 25, Oklahoma's the only one outside of that, that probably has a chance to to send up uh, in the blue chip rankings where it stands right now. But yeah, not all, not all four stars are created equally. Um, but if you have more four stars and five stars, than you don't, you have a legitimate chance to win a lot of football games and, and play at the highest level. And FSU was at that breaking point, I think right at 50 50 ratio last class, for prep recruits, uh, they're going to assuredly, uh, barring like some kind of like catastrophic like meltdown this season that causes everyone to jump ship, they'll be well above it this year, and they might be like in the top five nationally if things break right for them in terms of the blue chip ratio. So like, it is. I, I know there's parts of this recruiting class that that we can have anxiety over and uh, can can pick out a little bit like that. That's reasonable, but uh, overall, like it is trending. In continuing to to steal a Norvellism climb. Like it is it is moving in a direction that's ultimately positive for Florida State. Uh, let's talk about speaking of positive, what could be coming up here in the next two to, to three weeks? Uh five star cornerback Charles Lester is 10 days out from committing right now. He has a commitment party set on the July 27th down in the Sarasota 28. area. Huh? Twenty. Whatever. Eleven days then. Fine. Do you like the old man? Huh? What? Uh, so fine, 11 days out.
0: I'm really early for the party. I'm sorry, I'm a day early. <laughs> oh, I just an
1: extra day in Sarasota. Darn. Well, I'm just going to go to Siesta Key and chill and drink some beers. Uh, anyways, uh, Charles Lester is 11 days out from committing. Uh, I think all of our crystal balls right now are in for Florida State. There's a lot of talk in this chat right now over on the NOLS 24-7 message board as well about Colorado scaring them. I think that is some... PTSD from Travis Hunter well-earned PTSD like I, I get it uh Deion Sanders is from Southwest Florida Charles Lester Southwestish Florida uh he took an official visit to Colorado I'll throw this to you guys who are doing more day-to-day recruiting stuff than I am I haven't heard anything about like FSU being worried about Colorado I think FSU feels good about where it's at um but you know FSU also felt pretty good with where it was at going into the final week of the Travis Hunter recruitment too so where are we at with, with this level of, of anxiety for Charles Lester?
0: I'll get straight to the point. I expect Lester to commit to FSU, but I mean, Travis Hunter taught us a lesson not to dismiss the possibility. and simple.
2: The impossible yeah. is possible, but I don't expect that to happen.
3: All right. That's I, I where we're at it, right now. I think it becomes less likely when it's already happened once. You I do know, think. kind of work to prevent history from repeating Use it, itself. Like,
1: like FSU has been burned once. It and won't won't touch the stove we're, we're
3: also in that era of college
0: recruiting where that just happens once in a while it doesn't happen often but it does happen it's not like fsu's the sole person that got burned in such a situation it just was pretty
1: magnificent how fsu got burned and the first and the, probably the most jarring of it going to like if Deion Sanders did it at colorado it doesn't hit the same amount as him doing at an fcs school i think is part of it too and the fact that it was a Former Florida State player, doing to Florida State, it was a perfect storm. But people, we'll, we'll fast fast forward through this part, or we'll just stop talking about it. No need to to really dive into what happened that day. Uh, I think that still bothers a lot of us, reasonably so. Uh, next up, let's talk about KJ Bolden. He is a top ten prospect nationally, listed as an athlete up in Buford, Georgia. It's North Atlanta area. Uh, really, hun- really fun highlight tapes. Uh, he is, he is. A remarkable athlete with a lot of positional versatility. He's probably like a five star prospect on both sides of the ball. Zach, if I see you yawn one more time, that's at least the third time, sir. People are watching. Close this. To the yawn
3: too. Yeah. Like with his mouth on the camera and yeah. Yeah, it was
1: aggressive. It was definitely antagonistic. I don't know how to take that any other way. I'll start yawning when you're talking. How about that?
0: I'm tired. Clearly. I don't know how you can yawn when you're talking about KJ
2: Baldwin. It's what everybody wants to
1: talk about. Are we boring you? Getting into like one of the most exciting parts of the
3: episode.
2: Why does why does yawning have to be associated with boring? I've always wanted that too.
3: I always feel so rude, like in a classroom. I I, like I need. I'm so focused on the subject, but I need to yawn so bad, you know. And you feel like a jerk yawning,
2: but it has nothing to do with being bored. That needs to be a talking point. I woke up ten minutes before the podcast. I don't feel well.
1: I think if you're tired, it means that you're not fully engaged and present. If you're tired and not active and uh, available, like
2: I'm engaged, I hear what you're saying.
1: What do you think about all this, Chris?
0: I don't know. I, I'm sure I yawn plenty. I'm tired most of my life. All right. Well, there. I'm the only one in this so case. So like, I, I can't. Keep it I can only drink so much coffee before my heart's going to explode. So, like you know, if it's not doing a trick, I might bust out a yawn here or there. I try not to. I do. I do make it valid effort. I'll start covering my mouth. Sorry. Thank
1: you. Just be, just be polite. KJ Bolden, a phenomenal recruit, someone who about two months ago, I think none of us really thought Florida state had a, a realistic chance with. And then he visited in late June. It was an unofficial visit. It was multiple days by all accounts. It went extremely well. Uh, Saxon engaged. Tell Gabby. Um <laughs> Gabby's girlfriend, not Gabby from Miami. Um, And anyways, KJ Bolden uh, visits FSU for two days. I'm going to have to take off the camera so I can just focus on what I'm saying here and not watch what's happening. Um, He visits Florida State for two days. That visit, as far as I understand it, was really to create a, a situation where KJ and new defensive backs coach Patrick Sertan could spend a lot of time together. Well, Florida State has been recruiting KJ Bolden, who calls Florida State a dream school. That might be a good thing. That might be a curse, depending on how you look at it. Uh, he's been interested in Florida State, but you had to give him a reason why. And Patrick Sertan, who was hired in, in around January-ish, uh, uh, is someone that is considered like a patient recruiter, a relationship builder. And you had to kind of escalate that that timeline, as far as I understand, it, in, in terms of like making up for lost time of, of just Patrick not being on Florida State staff until recently, So you get him down here that by all accounts goes extremely well. He talks at the end of that visit about coming back to Florida state for an official visit, probably the Miami game in early November, which we talked about in the podcast before is a really great, like in season date for FSU. I like that much better than an early season OV slate uh, for what that game can be. If it's prime time and uh, at night and and Dokes rocking and that late in the recruiting process, like that's all really encouraging. And So you get them in for what is essentially feels like an official visit, but it's not. You still have that in your back pocket. From that and the weeks afterwards, the buzz, not just from Florida State feeling like they have a chance, but people like around K.J. Bolden in Beaufort community start talking about FSU having a legitimate chance. Um, And I say all that by couching it with a little bit of like Georgia still feels really good and Ohio State still feels really good. I think Florida State is in striking distance with those two teams. And that's maybe the best way I can describe it. Is like, I don't think FSU was considered a legit team in that top three for him, like a legit finalist, the finalist within the finalist. I think that's where Florida State is now. I'm not gonna do a crystal ball for this one. I don't think that's gonna behoove me. If I get it if I get it right, great. If I get it wrong, gonna have a lot of people pissed off. The juice ain't worth the squeeze on that one. I do think going into this final about three weeks or so of his recruitment as he commits on August fifth. I think FSU has a really real chance at this. A lot can happen, but um, I am cautiously optimistic about FSU's chances. I will uh, defer to you guys to talk about the rest of it now, but I think there is legitimately something there for FSU from what I can gather.
0: I'm going to let Zach take it so he can get all his yawns out after he finishes.
2: Um, no, I mean, it just, it seems like over the last month, Florida State's really surged in this recruitment Um you know, I think all of us would have agreed going into the summer that we wouldn't have given it a high chance at all for him to end up in FSC's class. But Brendan and I got on the pod a couple of weeks ago and, and you know expressed some uh, more confidence than we had ever had in KJ Bolden, and I think that's only heightened since then. Um, I wrote in a piece a couple of days ago that the confidence on FSC's side with Bolden is the highest that it's been throughout his entire recruitment, um, and I think a lot of this. Dates back to what Brendan was talking about that that end of June multi day unofficial visit um, where Bolin arrived. Um, and that it was like that midweek um, before that final OV weekend. And he got to watch one of FSU's summer workouts um, with all the players and really early in the morning. And then spent that entire day around Pat Sertan and, and the rest of the coaching staff. And I think, you know, that that kind of allowed him to get some um you know personal time around around Sertan and you know I think you got to think like all these defensive back coaches head coaches and you know guys that have been recruiting KJ Bolden have been in place for a while um at these schools especially Ohio State um his cousin is the safeties coach there uh, and Georgia is a school that's been on him I think I heard from someone the other day that he's been on Georgia's campus 16 times um, throughout his recruitment, which is pretty crazy. Uh, that might be the most I've ever heard a kid visit a school. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's it, I think it's those three schools right now. And then Alabama and Auburn are also involved. Um, but but I think FSU, like Brendan, I, I think FSU is squarely in the mix and a, a very big factor heading into his his uh august 5th decision
0: so i do have a crystal ball in for kj Bolden, but it's to georgia and i put it in actually immediately after that visit to fsu in june it's not a matter of like i think it's a slam dunk for georgia i've not ever really thought that i think ohio state gave georgia a great deal of competition throughout a majority of this recruitment i feel like fsu has entered that picture i'm just hesitant to believe that he's going anywhere but georgia He's a kid that's kind of been earmarked by Georgia, a guy that they want an in state kid down the road. He's not at a school that I would describe as a feeder to them by any stretch. Obviously, their quarterback commitment just did transfer in there, but I don't think that's really a factor personally. I think Bolden's decision is Bolden's decision. I, yeah, I'm just like, I do I think FSU has momentum? Heck yeah. Do I think FSU has reason to feel a little optimistic that they're thoroughly in this race? Yes, I do. I just can't believe he's not going to go somewhere other than Georgia still. Because Ohio State has so many reasons for him to go there. And I felt like Georgia had staved them off. I feel like they're going to do the same to FSU at the end. But we shall see. I'm I'm not trying to be dismissive of FSU. Certainly not trying to undermine what Brennan and Zach have reported. I don't want them putting me on some kind of receipts list either. I'm just I'm hesitant to believe it until we're like on the verge of it happening. Just because so there's still, what, three weeks basically yeah. between now and
1: then.
2: I can't wait to put Chris on the receipts
1: montage. He's he's acting like that's something that we would do. No, you certainly would. I think what gives me pause on it, twofold, mentioned earlier, like Georgia and Ohio State, like feeling good as well. So they're not feeling good for no reason, right? Like they're not just making that up. So I I do get worried that there's being conflicting messages out there and a lot of noise in the system uh, from the bowling camp, potentially like that is what that would signal to me. Uh, and then further, like what Zach and I talked on the podcast a few weeks ago, um, I I thought FSU, the most realistic scenario in landing KJ Bolden would be you put together a really good season. You have not come in for that official visit in late November or early November, excuse me, and you flip him late. Like I thought that would be the, the chance that you have to kind of sneak in at the very bitter end there. Oh, my God, Zach. Um, and then and then that would be how you get him. For this to be fast-forwarded to a potential August commitment for Florida State and to really have a, a legitimate shot there, it doesn't track with what I thought. So that is uh, that is a point of hesitation for me. With that being said, again, I, I think FSU does have a legitimate shot. That's not me saying that he's going to commit to Florida State. That's not saying it's a, it's a home run. I just think that... I don't think Florida State should be dismissed at this point. There's other, There are other schools in his finalists that I think I would kind of dismiss. I think i dismiss Auburn. I think I would just, get, just dismiss Alabama. I don't think I would dismiss Florida State in that discussion point.
2: That's where I'm at
1: with it. Uh, real quick, before we get to Bayer-Sanone and start wrapping up the podcast here, uh, we have to talk a little bit about uh, Jojo Trader committing to Miami. Uh, that was surprising, The the timing of it. Not that he picks Miami, but that he picked Miami before taking a singular official visit to anywhere. Uh, feels very much so, fellas. fellows like just based on trends, like this recruitment's still ongoing. Like this isn't a, a done deal type of, type of scenario.
2: Yeah. I mean, I agree. I think it's a South Florida recruitment. So there's bound to be changes and sudden moves and things, you know, coming out of nowhere. And I think uh, that kind of happened here, caught a lot of people off guard, you know, my crystal balls on Florida state. Um, I, I I took the L on that with him committing to Miami. But, you know, I think FSU is going to continue to recruit him. Um, They're recruiting his teammate, obviously, Jeremiah Smith as well, who I think we'll talk about on this pod. Um, You know, I reported earlier in the week that he – or last week that he had scheduled an official visit – or unofficial visit multi-day to FSU for the end of the month, the end of July, and that would make his second multi-day unofficial visit Within the last two months, Um, he was around or on campus at the same time as KJ Bold in June. Um, And FSU is going to continue to recruit Jojo Trader uh, and, and, you know, the other schools that were in the mix, Ohio State, Florida, um, and I think Georgia, they're all going to continue to communicate with him. He's a really talented prospect. um, And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if FSU got him on campus again in the future, especially, you know, maybe for that Miami game. Um, We've seen a lot of prospects that are considering both schools attend that game. And and I think FC is going to try to make a big recruiting weekend out of that weekend. So I would not be surprised to see him there. Uh, But, yeah, we'll see how that recruitment unfolds. I think um, Miami definitely was, you know, the biggest competition for Florida State throughout. And that proved true. Um, We've been saying that forever. And, you know, they, they end up earning a commitment from him very early on.
0: Yeah, the Chaminade trio, which is Jeremiah Smith, JoJo Trader, and Saquon Patterson, it wouldn't shock me if Patterson went and made a decision here in the near future either, but I don't feel like with any of those three recruitments that things are entirely shut down. I mean, Jeremiah Smith's been a very firm Ohio State pledge, but yet he's still taking numerous visits, FSU, Georgia, some others, Miami, I believe, has gotten him on campus, right? um so like i just don't feel like that group is one where we're dismissive of anything happening down to shut just because there's a lot of time and they do seem open for business to a degree they're not like some kids who just commit and shut it down entirely so
1: okay we are at about 50 minutes and change of this podcast i know typically about like 45 minutes to 50 minutes is when people start checking out, but we also have like almost 400 people watching right now too. So let's keep the, the good times going with some buyers to know going to kind of help us transition, not just talking about recruiting stuff, but the season coming up, which again, like two weeks away from, from camp beginning. Um, yeah. Fun, fun times. It's coming up really quickly. Uh, as we get into buyers to here, I need to give a shout out to the sponsor of buyers to the Turner group, the Turner group, a Colin and Amy Turner, do an amazing job with, with buying and selling homes in central Florida And throughout the state of Florida, they can help you out. I actually had Colin help me out uh, with a recent listing here in Tallahassee, uh, help get some information on it, help make a better decision to say, not right now for us, but like uh, he is responsive. he is quick to help. He is well connected and can help me all the way up in Tallahassee, which is about four and a half hours away from where he sets up shop in the winter park area of central Florida. Uh, He is also doing a lot of work to help people, uh, mostly parents, uh, buy homes in college towns to have their their children who are about to to move into, say Tallahassee or a Gainesville, uh, go ahead and and buy there, and you can lease it out later and uh, make money off of this venture rather than just like throwing it away uh, in in what is an extremely high rent uh, market, as as Zach can probably attest to. So. Uh, the Turner Group can help you out with a lot of needs in the state of Florida. If you're interested in even just knowing what the market is like in a certain area of the state, Colin would be more than happy to talk to you at 407-403-8546. You can email him at getstarted@theturnergroup.com. Please mention On the Bench. Helps us out. Let's know that you guys are listening and uh, and paying attention when I do these, these ramblings here as I'm continuing to talk and uh, need to get into the buyer's known page now. Sorry, Colin. Let's get going. Buyer's Unknown, sponsored by the Turner Group. Would you rather have J-TRAV on next year's team or the 2012 version? No, then the 2012 version of EJ Manuel that is from NRG Null. So Buyer's Unknown, J-TRAV on next year's team, then 2012 EJ Manuel. I think that basically means J-TRAV over EJ, right?
0: I'm buying. I want J-TRAV because I feel like I've just, built the team around J-TRAV.
1: Buy. I think, yeah, J-TRAV. Maybe not as much NFL talent as what E.J. Manuel would offer, but college fit, uh, I like J. Trav's makeup and uh, the way he fits within this program very well.
2: I mean, he'd be like multi-year experience in Mike Norvell's system and all that jazz. So, yeah, I agree. Bye.
3: Yeah, based on the system and him being a veteran and on top of being a better and more consistent college player than E.J. is or E.J. was, yeah, definitely J. Trav. Say bye, Dane. Buy. it's not a not an nfl draft here it's who's going to lead the college team joe to
1: 03 bias unknown mike norvell and his staff ultimately become known as excellent recruiters with a few staff changes um they have known. built
0: a team that's going to be top 10
1: i know they keep getting better like,
0: I, like- I get it. It's not always sexy. It's not always blue chip. It's not always, Oh, high school linebackers are getting great ones. I get it. They're not doing that. And that's why people have some reservation. But like at the end of the day, it's about building football teams that can win football games. And that's what FSU has worked towards this year. And I, I find it tough to criticize the staff on a like magnitude of that large that they're not good at. I think they're very good at recruiting, but I think they're also excellent at every other facet that comes with it, which includes coaching and development, especially. And I think that's why FSU is gonna be a pretty good football team this year. So like I also know that one. I'll sell that. Could they have better recruiters, more elite recruiters, guys that in the offseason allow you to be more of Twitter heroes? Yes, they probably could. But like I, I'm I'm I don't know. I just I'm very tired by that topic, I guess is the best way I can say.
1: I think I'm, people I'm, have real quick, Zach. Uh sorry, but real quick, like I think people have this, like I blame like Video games. I'm gonna sound like an old person again, but like NCAA football. Like, you take recruiting points and put it in, and that's recruiting. Like, no, there's evaluation. There's projecting how it's going to fit within your program. Uh, there is projecting just like how someone's going to develop over time. Like, does this have this staff have a a bevy of like great re- elite uh, closers in the recruiting department? No, I don't think so. But they have a lot of really good evaluators who are often on the same page with each other. That are also on the same page with the strength staff and get guys in who help, like, elevate the roster. And that's been year over year. The roster has gotten better. Granted, it started from a low place. It just keeps getting better. I don't put a ceiling or a cap on it because we haven't seen it yet. Um, so I still known that they have, like, they're going to be regarded as this elite recruiting staff, but I think they might have an elite roster-building staff. And, like, that's probably more important than just getting a bunch of stars. Uh, the, the stars don't matter, but, like, there's something to be said for building the roster in a way that is, has a strong foundation and we're seeing that. So there's a caveat to the answer. Zach,
2: sorry, go ahead. I'm going to buy, I don't think FSU's staff is an elite high school recruiting staff and you can say whatever you want, right? Oh, you know, this is a year to year build. We're just roster building through the portal and everything, but you know, you're not getting super high end talent out of the portal. This, you know, there, there hasn't been a lot of guys that, that come out of the portal that can help you go and win a national championship. There are guys that can help you get to the playoffs. Maybe um, that's kind of where FSU, you know, the area that FSU's, um, you know, traveling through right now, but you know, there, there are certain positions of the high school rank that are not being recruited, not even at an elite level, but at a good level, um, you know, especially this cycle, you know, and, and we can take a year by year basis if you want to go by that. And I think, uh, you know, D-line recruiting, you know, we could talk about that more extensively. We've talked about that a bunch. Linebacker recruiting are two that, that you know, especially D-line recruiting matters a ton. It's something, it's a position that FSU absolutely needs to hit on. They needed to hit on last year. They didn't do a great job at it. They need to hit on this year. You know, mixed results there. But, yeah, I mean, I think uh, the question is, you know, if there's some staff upgrades, they could be an elite recruiting staff i think so i think the staff right now is very much centered on being a in an excellent on-field coaching staff you know x's and O's. and and i think they do a great job at that i mean that that's kind of their calling card right now but um you know if, if they were to bring in some more dogs in the recruiting trail i think they could be, be an elite recruiting staff
3: i agree with that i'm gonna buy too i think i mean it's it's such a like you talk about the recruiting follies or whatever of the staff and it's kind of positional it's it's the front seven i guess but um yeah i I mean i don't know it it seems every year we have these coaches kind of painted as or we build a belief that they're like a weak recruiter now or that sort of thing and then that always seems to change like every every off season at least since i've been you know trying to cover recruiting too (laughs) um uh, so I, I don't really know how to make like a firm judgment on that. But Zach, you mentioned like you can't um you don't you can't get like uh, guys to the portal to help you win a national championship. I would disagree with that. I mean it's just
2: you – there's not consistent players at every single position that are gonna like if you don't recruit the high school level at a very good to elite level. There's not recruit or Players that enter the portal every single year at every single position to make you, you know, be the best team in the country. Go Definitely not. Change. Definitely right. not. I don't Safety. think anyone's doing that either.
0: Safety would be the one you would point to this past cycle where FSU missed and didn't get a guy that will help them at least as a top three.
2: Yeah. Well, just uh, but that's the only shortcoming. It's out to a lot really of positions. Have. But there's oh, also oh, a
0: point that can be made that on every position for FSU you can argue potentially that their best player is a transfer player, right? Quarterbacks, j Trav, running backs,
2: Trey Benson, wide receiver. how much Eagles better can you okay. get? Is
1: the okay. transfer portal sustainable? You saw it end end. I think, Chris, how
2: much – you're right, yes. That Florida State, without the transfer portal, I don't know if the staff would still be in Tallahassee. Like, I think they believe that too. Like, they, yeah, they I, are – I think they're ultra relieved. comfortable being a portal recruiting staff. They dominate the portal, and that is one of their biggest strengths. That's what they've they've done that better than anyone else in the country. But what I'm saying is, I don't think there are a lot better players than you can get than what FSU has gotten out of the portal at multiple positions. Yeah, that's true. They've hit at a very, very high. But rate. what I'm saying is, and I would argue too that to develop they develop the roster further. You need to recruit the high school level. And at an elite I would level. say they've
0: pivoted towards that more in this cycle than ever before. Yeah. Sure. There are still shortcomings, though, which is your hang up of the D line. Can't specifically be ten, you can't come off a 10 and 3 and season and not
2: have a realistic defensive line target on the interior. Yeah. It's just not I,
0: And I don't um, disagree with you on that at all. Yeah. That's like the worst. Because D line is so hard. That's like, like little, line, uh, linebackers. So many people get hung up on linebacker. Linebacker doesn't bug me. And we've had this argument. You can go get a singular linebacker in the portal who's going to help you immensely. I'm not worried about that. It's where you put resources. But I do un- agree on the interior D line. I think their hope is that they return, what, six or so guys after this season. But that's including probably a Daryl Jackson, Josh Farmer. Those are probably 50 50 propositions going into the year. Playing with a little bit of fire there. If you do lose both, you're down to four with, you know, with being like IO and Daniel Lyons. And I'm probably forgetting maybe Malcolm Ray's back. I believe he has another year of eligibility. He's so there's not a good. proven next dude. Yeah. KJ would be a second-year guy next the following year in 24. Um, so, no, I get that. I agree with you there. I just I, – I, I think the – I view recruiting so differently today than I did three years ago, and I think FSU does too.
1: I'm happy we had this conversation. <laughs> Stand 21, Byersenone, the clip that showed up showed an O-line – Showed a lineup of the O-line of Harris, Roddick, Smith, Meech, and Byers starting O-line come week one. All right, who said bye adamantly? Chris did. Uh, For context, that was done in a climb video, and it's a very quick snippet of what looks to be the first-team offense with Jordan Travis out there, Keon Coleman out there, and what very well could be the first-team offensive line of the group that was just mentioned from left to right. Chris is buying it. I know uh, know, he's been a believer of Byers starting since he first got the restraining order um i'm
0: not sure on rob scott's scott's health ultimately which is why i think bless and buyers might be your two bookends there um i just think that's the group that probably has most talent the best group they're gonna have but i do think they rotate more on the offensive line this year than they did last year there were uh, three four games last year where i believe the offensive line was consistent very, beginning to end as far as i'm taking all snaps
1: Anyone else want to chime in and play the Bye. game? There we go, Dan. I'd, I'd, you. That's
3: the lineup I've assumed would probably be it. like the most likely. Yeah, Yeah. I, mean. I
2: think the only variable probably is if Rob Scott is fully healthy, he could factor in at one of the tackle spots. But, but yeah, I agree. I think I'd buy that, that that's the starter in the LSU game. I think
3: the most likely guy to be replaced there is Meech, Dimitri Emanuel, in my opinion.
2: Or case – wait, was Roddick one of the guards? Roddick yeah. was a left guard. Harris yeah, I think he'd guard. be the most likely to get replaced.
1: I think it would be Meach would be the most likely, but he was, again, a second or third-team all guy last year. And yeah,
2: he's he's more comfortable with what they do. I hate that we bring that up so much.
3: I think accolades like that are so garbage.
1: Okay. Well, he also had a good PFF grade as well. Uh, so.
0: He played a ton of games. He's played for I'm gonna tell Meech the O-line coach at two different schools. There's a whole lot of reason. Like let's let's count Maurice Smith out again so he can win the boxing match again. Let's do that. I learned my lesson there. Sorry, Caden Liles.
1: Well, that was also a default uh type of yeah. type of deal. Um yeah, I think I'll buy, I think that's the most likely uh probably scenario where we're looking right now. Buyers, I think, has the most upside of anyone and uh, has the most upside of anyone else uh, on the offensive line right now. I also think he has a further way to go, so we'll see. But it seems like they're trying to prepare him to be ready for LSU. I think he's very likely to be the start at the end of the year. I don't know if he starts day one. I'm not sold on that, but he, he very well might, which would be a really good development if FSU's confident enough to have him starting against LSU. Like That would probably mean things went really well for him this offseason. Uh, JMO, 112, if Florida State gets KJ Bolden, the staff finishes with a top 10 recruiting class, that's a, a buy.
0: Yeah, that's a buy. Because that—that's presuming they get Bolden and Lester, which we—I think all think we're getting Lester at this point, in the sense of crystal balls and such. Um, yeah, that's a buy.
1: Yeah, um, did something on class calculator this morning. I think if you get both of those guys, it almost guarantees you have a top ten class, just as long as you hit decently at the end. That's not even including like the the lottery ticket that is. JJ uh, Smith or or something like that happening, or if you get Julius Sal- Solomon as well, which I don't think they will. But um anywho, yeah, that that's it for me. What do you guys say, real quick? Uh, I mean, yeah. All right, bye. I'm moving on. It's wait, this be faster. It's supposed to be faster. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Jesus,
1: how come the two young guys are the least energetic right now? What's bye. happening?
2: Oh my it's God. early in the morning. Well, I'm, I'm coming off.
0: At, I'm coming off at
2: 22. It's, it's early in the vacation, morning,
0: so there's a reason I'm energized.
1: TK Noll, Bayer Sonone. I'm going to throw this to you to begin with, Zach. Apparently, I'm going to have to do more traffic directing here. Brian Hartlane staying at Ohio State isn't a big, isn't as big of a hurdle for FSU in the recruitment of Jay Smith as we thought.
2: Sonone. <laughs> okay. I think it is. I think if he's there, I would project Jeremiah Smith to end up at Ohio State. If he's not, I think Jeremiah Smith is 100% not going to Ohio State. I
3: think there is a public perception of uh you can see this in every single comment section or thread ever, ever, ever mentioning Jeremiah Smith without fail. You can play this game yourself if you'd like to. Anything that mentions Jeremiah Smith and the odds of him not going to Iowa State, at least half of the comments, it's like no one reads it that everyone else has already said this, but everyone mentions unless Heartline leaves. You will see Heartline and leaves in every single every single comment. Um so I would think it's Sanon because it's like not that definite. Like, I don't know. Sorry, I've I got something to get off my chest.
0: I forget the actual question, so I can't buy her it. But I will say, Jeremiah Smith has been refreshing to speak to because he's very direct and fairly honest about how he talks about things. He has directly said that part of Reason keeps its options open in case something changes in Columbus specific to his position coach. He has an immensely impressive relationship with Brian Hartline. I'm sure, uh, you know, ties to South Florida Heartline has as a recruiter doesn't hurt there. But, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll take the kid's word for it. Like, I think that is a massive factor.
1: Oh, God. <laughs> I had almonds before the show, and they're coming up on me
2: again. Don't yawn.
1: Okay. Buyer sanone I'm going to throw this to Dane because it's right, right down his alley. Rocastro Pitico, Byers-Sanone, sponsored by the, the Turner-, Turner Group. Group. The ship has sailed on Darren Williamson and he will not be a meaningful contributor this year.
3: Hey, that's entirely dependent on his availability. It doesn't matter how talented your wide receiver room is or how deep it is. If he's healthy, in my opinion, I think he's, he's a difference maker. So he's going to see the field. Like if, if he's fully healthy for a full season, a combination of him and Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson, like he's, I mean, I don't want to say he's like on their level necessarily, but he's he's close enough to where he should be in that in that conversation as like elevating that room further. He's very very good.
1: I'm then I just like don't think I can like if he's healthy, then yeah, he's gonna have a chance to be a guy who plays on Sundays, right? Like that's like Absolutely. that upside is there. But you're talking about also like the window for development keeps getting reduced when you miss significant amounts of time. So like. At this point, it's a caveat. Like, if he's healthy and available for a long period of time, he's going to play and contribute and be a good player. And if not, if he's not healthy, then we know the answer to that, too. And that's kind of where I'm at with it at this point.
3: Yeah, I think that's... Sorry. Go ahead, then. I think that's part of the reason why I'm so high on him, too, is that he has had so little time to develop, and he is so good. (laughs) Like, whenever he's available. He's really good. I mean, I don't... Are we the only people that notice this, like... That dude is an absolute freak when he's available and he is so, I mean, it seems he's rarely available. I think we can say that. Um, yeah. And he's still young. I mean, you're saying that there's only so much time for him to develop if he's, if he's not available, but he hasn't had that much time already and he is so good.
0: I think if I'm Darian, I'm playing a long game of understanding that, yeah, Keon Coleman jumped the line in front of me, but him and Johnny Wilson are probably both out of this place after this coming year. Me and Tron can be next, and that's what you go with. Obviously, FSU's bringing a lot of receivers, and a guy like Hakeem's also in that mix there. I'm probably forgetting a name or two I should have mentioned that's currently on the receiver board. But uh, with Darian, I think he is kind of the uh, definition of the Mike Norville FSU football program. of If you stick with me, I'm going to stick with you. And they love him. He's just got to be healthy. But, yeah, I think they find a role for him. I think he plays. It might be spot duty here and there and have a big game and not do much the next couple of weeks. But if Darian's willing willing to live with that role, I think this can be a very profitable year for him to understand what could come for him in 24.
1: Darian Williamson. William. Williamson. Because Chris said. Sunday Gold. Sorry, Colin. Sinon, Adam Fuller would make a better G5 head coach than a P5 coordinator. Um, I mean he's I think I,
3: I who makes a better head coach than a coordinator is not just like an objectively easier job
1: I think he would probably like he's going to get a chance to be head coach in the next couple of years like I think more than likely and I think he's proving to be a a solid power five defensive coordinator and the defense keeps getting better and I either you believe me saying that and you believe what I've said for a while now or you don't and that's fine I'm not changing anyone's mind so like he's He's proving to be a solid power five top tier coordinator, like at a top tier school and the defense is still getting better. It's a big year to really see like what the upside is and like what his defenses can do. Uh, MJ Willis 10, the Turner group, Byersonone Dustin Hill will fill the role of Pokey Wilson this year. I like that question.
0: As both a receiver and a return man. Yeah. I, I I think I'd buy that. I think he brings high level speed, but
1: we don't, need, we don't need Pokey Wilson returning anything anymore. That, that That's fine. He doesn't have that role.
0: But like, He's more
1: the vertical threat.
0: I buy it, but I don't think the statistics will match it, I guess, is the best way I can put it. Because I think Keon Coleman coming into that room changes the way yards are going to be distributed. But can Destin Hill provide some of what Pokey brought to the offense from a skill set standpoint? Yes, I wholeheartedly think that's true.
2: Do you think Destin Hill's a top five receiver for FSC this year? I do.
1: Well, one, two, three, I can think of off the top of my head.
2: I think Wilson, Coleman,
0: and probably Tron are your first three. Then slot number one is probably Jakai.
1: I or Winston Wright and Jaheim Bell. I'm counting as like a receiving target. And if
0: you're putting Jaheim Bell in there, then it probably changes my answer okay. because I view him as a tight end.
3: But as far as but talent. Yes, I think
0: Dustin Hill can be the fifth best, yes.
3: And Dustin Hill's definitely in the top five as far as talent, right?
1: In, in terms of like playing style what is that the two the two role is what they call it dane yeah that's what pokey was like an off-ball receiver and you can move him around the line and get him like going on motions and like can do some gadgety stuff and And uh, he has a
2: better frame than pokey like pokey's was ultra thin and i think dustin's a little bit more filled out He's just what they will miss prospect, with
1: Pokey is that, like, he made big time catches in big moments. There was yeah. a, a he always a,
2: showed up in those big games,
1: but that came over time. Like, he had a reputation going into last year for drops. Like, that, that was a thing that you can go back and look at like previous top 40 or 40 most important countdowns. People would always say he needs to clean up the drops. So, um, I don't want to dismiss it like, oh, Pokey Wilson's easy to replace, um, and he did something really well and brought value. Last year's team, but I think we all agree like Destin Hill has a ton more upside than Bokey Wilson. And I reported
2: earlier in June, I think we both did, Brendan, that like he was, uh, he's been dominating like the summer workouts. Like there's no question about, you know, his conditioning level or anything like that. Like that's all checked out from what I've heard.
3: It's really just about him arriving early, whether he's a big contributor this year.
2: He absolutely Mm -hmm. has that. He's got a lot, lot to learn about the offense and everything prior to the season, but I think fall camp will, we'll see if uh, he's ready for it.
1: Um, starting to wrap up here, I think, because we're hitting about an hour and fifteen minutes. One or two more, maybe. Uh, should I get Zach going? Should I get him like really like fired up before we get out of here? Let's go. Yes. Yes, we're gonna buy on, on getting Zach fired up. Let's see. I agree this- with Chris. This is from Higher <laughs> no, no. Sinone. This is Odell's last year on the field with a pot stirring, uh, GIF emoji thing emoticon
2: as well. I don't. Yeah. I mean, I I'd buy that. that I mean, I kind of. I think I did. I report it or say it? I don't know. But you I said don't.
1: it in a in a one of those Ask Me Anything threads, which you're not yeah. allowed to do anymore. You can't be trusted with those. That's a me only kind of joint.
2: Why did mine have more views than yours? Um, oh, you we, you got, the view, we years. got a
1: view off here.
2: Yeah. Anyway, Flip it but, out. Uh,
1: show um, me. Dude, mine had
2: more views, and mine went on for longer. Um. Anyway, but uh, yeah, I think uh, I don't know. I mean, Odell's like the goat. Like, he's the best. You know, D line coach. I mean, he's just done it all. Um. And I think it's a a myriad of things, right? Like, you know, he's been doing it for so long. Um. I think you know, recruiting nowadays it requires you to literally like be in constant contact with recruits, their families, all that. It's taxing. Um, and Odell is still, I mean, he has probably the best position group at his specific position in the country, in the interior of the D line. Like it's that deep and talented and he has a large, uh, you know, part in that. So like, I'm not trying to discount anything that Odell's done or is currently doing, but I think, um, you know, like it, especially if they have a really good year this year, I think he could go out on, on a really high note. Um, you know, but, but, I don't know that for sure. Um and and but uh, that's just my opinion. I'd buy. He's entering
0: his thirtieth season on the staff. Wow. Oh. I, I
1: think it's like we've been like people have been saying this, this is his last year for like five yeah, years true. now, too. So a
2: hundred percent true. I think it's
1: uh, gonna be right, but
2: yeah. Well, I think uh I think his daughter like graduates either high school or college within the next year or two. so that uh, High the, school. She she yeah. committed to a college for volleyball um, yeah. recently. In so like I the think last few uh, with this being her last year or whatever, that could also play a factor in it, is what I was told.
0: I've not asked Odell. I, I mean, I I chat with Odell here and there outside on the bench, and when we have opportunities to talk to him, I, I don't know where his head is with regards to it. He loves coaching. He loves developing players. I don't think he loves recruiting as much anymore. Uh you know, uh, he's always kind of been a straight shooter, honest guy when it comes to recruiting and recruiting's just changed, So I, I don't know. I, I don't I don't think that facet of the job is super appealing to him anymore. But I do think he still enjoys being out there on the field and building football players and winning football games and doing it as an alma mater.
1: Zach, who is the guy who got Chris all riled up in the chats a couple months, a couple months ago? I took a vacation.
0: I'm changed. I'm happier now. Um, oh, I forget, but there's amazing.
1: a guy named William McMillan in the chats right now who is just firing off hot takes. We'll keep it going. You were oh,
3: pop one up, we can't up get out. Read them, um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we can't really. We need more, okay. So he's just like a bot. Right, I All think right. that's our call to end this
2: thing. I hope you're right. <laughs>
1: R-I-T-E,
3: Rite Aid Soda.
1: Iowa Null 1, Biosynone, you will organize a 24-7 sports get-together for the LSU game. I will not organize
2: shit.
1: Can you guys do more work on top of it so we can all
2: – Dane's organizing it.
1: If someone gotcha. wants to organize it and take the lead on it and it's a legitimate thing, I will be there. I have no intent to add more to my plate.
2: Chris, you love meet and greets, right?
0: I like people. I don't have an issue with people. I have an issue with doing more work beyond the work I get paid to do. How
2: scared I mean, would the y'all be if we're spending time with our family?
0: I mean, I get that they might want to have a drink with me, but, like, I don't really drink before football games anymore. I quit doing that many Well, what if we ago. did it,
2: like, the night before?
1: You know what, Zach? You organize it. Let us know. Dude, I'm do. 40.
0: I don't bounce back like you anymore these days, okay?
2: Okay. Uh, I was going to say, how – how? should go to that uh, bar that we, we ate at, uh, Brendan, when we were in Orlando.
1: Hamburger Mary's?
2: Yeah. It's
1: a good burger. Ooh.
2: Anyway,
3: now I was oh. how, how crazy would it be? <laughs> how crazy would it be if you put me in charge of the whole setting that like the meet and greet thing of how freaked out would y'all be to do that? I think it would be a fun. Challenge. Dane would get
0: the best portalettes ever.
3: I think as long as long, ooh,
1: as long as we uh everyone knew that it was you setting it up Dane, and you got the full brunt of the blame when it goes belly up and you just got the date wrong or something pretty significant like that, I'm fine with it. It could be fun to The
2: date wrong yeah you'd have like i'll go ice skating or something like that Mm -hmm. (laughs) that would be fun it'd
1: be fun uh let's end this with a little uh navel gazing to end the podcast big drip noel says buyers to known sponsored by the Turner turner group noels 24 7 board members during the off season hmm Uh, I will never, so I have it already I have the tweet in my mind, I know what I'm going to do I will never, if they end up getting Lester and Bolden, I will never forgive some of you for how you acted in June I will remember that forever I have taken names, I have receipts and you will never be able to say shit to me on the message board ever again, because of the way you handled a few slow weeks in which we told you stuff was coming
0: Well, we went from PG to PG-13 real fast there Poop,
3: poop After an hour 20, it gets crazy
0: I don't know what I'm buying or synoning here. The question wasn't structured very well for me. Am I buying or synoning people
2: on the message board? I, yeah, I, I always want more people on the message board. Have at it, dude. My I, who's next to commit story had like over two hundred and something <laughs> comments. I'm like, oh my gosh. No, I I think it's a buyer synoning. It's a message board. People are going to go you know back and forth. But yeah, I mean, some of the the craziness in June was not warranted. Um, especially considering you know, what's already transpired in July and what we had been telling you guys was going to happen in July. Um, but then again, I mean, there's a great community over there. at know 24-7, 75% off deal right now. Join the family.
1: Come sign up and I'll end up yelling at you.
2: It's a good time. Sometimes you, you have to normal.
1: get, like $10 isn't a lot of money a month to get like patronized. Some people pay a lot more for that kind of stuff.
2: It's not even 10 a month. It's two a month.
1: It's What's almost
3: three bucks.
2: Are you kidding me? It's two dollars a month oh for the 75%. God.
3: off How come deal? not every single person we That's all why know doesn't like Dane? Ugh. Okay. I just don't want
1: to. Play this has been out. great.
0: One thing I'll add real quick for the Turner group if you want to see the work they do that Colin and uh, it's Becky, correct? Amy. Amy i'm sorry colin and amy dude you can go oh, you're to, close i'm sorry i i i was looking at an instagram post with colin recently and i swear of person with him was a becky not an amy my whoa. bad whoa <laughs> it might be, I, might be i'm, I'm so
1: I sorry know. colin this is legitimate. i don't know i'm sorry colin
0: no colin. no no it, it was I, I was gonna suggest their Instagram. <laughs> <for> <laughs> it shows the work they do it shows how often colin's going places showing things off i just think it's you know, we can tell you the work they do. You can also go and look. I swear to God, it was a Becky in the post. Just saying. all right, Chris. Thanks for joining Talks us today, to
1: guys. Let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. All right, uh, for for Chris News, no longer with us. I'm sorry, Colin. Dane Draper, Zach Blostein. This has been On The Bench. Uh, Thanks to the 400 or so people who are watching for a good chunk of today. That's crazy. It's Monday, July 17th, like at 10 a.m. That's nuts. Thank you for the support on YouTube. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Make sure to check out our 75% off annual promo. Um, Anything else? I'm going to go. Oh, no, Chris is back.
0: It was Becky. I sent you the screenshot. It's Becky. I promise you.